This is First Draft, a dialogue on writing. I'm Mitzi Rapkin. First Draft highlights the voices of writers as they discuss their work, their craft, and the literary arts. Coming up, an interview with Walter Mosley, author of the craft book, Elements of Fiction. I think that everyone can write a book, honestly, almost everyone. Maybe there's some people who can't, but I think almost everyone can. And I think that if, if they do, the writing of that book will change their lives. We'll hear more from Walter Mosley in a few minutes. First, I want to invite you to be part of the First Draft community by becoming a member at patreon.com slash firstdraftwriters. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash firstdraftwriters. I've heard that it takes listeners seven times to hear a pitch before becoming members. So I invite you to beat the odds. If this is one through six, or if it's seven or more, please consider how valuable your patronage is to this podcast. Your support keeps the essential voices of writers sharing their craft and their work over the airwaves. Membership starts at just $6 a month and includes perks like extra cuts from the interviews that don't make the final show, writing tips from my guests, books, and perhaps best of all, pitch-free, ad-free episodes every single week. You will receive your own link to an ad-free, pitch-free first draft feed that you can play wherever you listen to podcasts. So please go to patreon.com slash firstdraftwriters and join the First Draft family. Every month you get a newsletter and at random extra thank you gifts from me. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash firstdraftwriters. I have an archive of more than 230 episodes, and I hope that from them you have learned something about craft and heard new and interesting perspectives about the world we live in and our human journey. I know that right now it's unlikely you are in front of a computer, so I'd like to suggest adding a little reminder for yourself for when you get home to contribute to First Draft. Maybe make a note on your phone, an ink mark on your hand, scribble on a piece of paper, something along the lines of First Draft Reminder. Membership matters. I am committed to bringing you in-depth conversations with today's best writers of fiction, nonfiction, poetry, and essays. And I also have a website now. You can find out more about the show at firstdraftwriters.com. Stay tuned at the end of this episode. I'll offer recommendations on other episodes you can dig into. And please rate the show on iTunes and tell your friends to subscribe. Thank you so much. My guest today is Walter Mosley, fiction, nonfiction, and TV writer. Mosley is the author of more than 50 books, including the best-selling mystery series featuring Detective Easy Rollins. He has written for New York Times Magazine and The Nation. Walter Mosley is currently working as a writer and consulting producer on the FX crime drama Snowfall. His newest book is called Elements of Fiction, which offers conversational chapters on how to approach the task of writing plot, story, character, voice, and focuses on some pointed writing advice. We began the conversation with Mosley talking about why he wrote Elements of Fiction. Well, you know, I had already written a book uh, called This Year You Write Your Novel. And I wrote that book because I, so many people would ask me basically, how do I write a book? How do I write a novel? And I, I know the answer. It's just that it, it's always too, you know, half an hour too long to sit down and explain. So I wrote this year, you write your novel. Uh, and then when people ask me that question, I could just say, well, you know, you know, read my book. 
one thing that I wrote in that book, which kind of stuck with me for a time, when, when I try to explain the difference of plot and story, plot is the structure of revelation. That's what I said in the first book. And for, and for years, that just stuck with me. You know, the, the, the structure of revelation is both kind of extraordinary and pedestrian. And so what I did was I said, I need to write a deeper dive into how you write a novel, not just, you know, how you can get from the beginning to the end, but how you can find kind of new things inside of that. And so from that departure point, I, you know, I decided to write this book. One of the things you said in the very beginning was that you want to break new ground with everything you write, that it's more than beginnings, middles, and endings, that they can be meaningless unless you do this on some level, unless you break new ground on some level. And I'm wondering if you mm-hmm. could explain that a little more. And it also might feel daunting, but also a good challenge. Yeah, you know, it's such a big question that I'm not sure I can answer it uh, easily. It's, you know, I, I was talking to a woman last night, a woman who was in my, my writer's room, and she, and she was talking about, you know, discover, you know, how complex all the different forms of fiction are, you know, because people come in, they say, well, you know, there's, you know, eight kinds of stories and, and then 12 kinds of scenarios. And, you know, they say kind of ridiculous things like that. I'm not saying that those things aren't true. I'm just saying that um, there's another element completely about uh, writing. And those are the things that exist in your unconscious things that you're that you're trying to come toward to understand and you don't know you're doing it because they're unconscious but that's the that's the heart of art and the 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 hardest thing to describe to somebody is when you reach a place that you didn't know you were going and understand oh i'm here and and that i think that's what i'm saying in in the simplest terms I think, too, that, you know, that came up a lot about sort of trusting the process in some way and facing the the blank page with bravery and realizing that there is a lot of unconscious involved in writing. And at the same time, I think that might seem scary for some people because they're saying, well, do you mean I'm not in control of this? Yeah, and that's. You know, and and of course, if you think about it enough, you understand that's true about every moment of your life. You know, you, <laughs> you uh, have a child. Uh, you're not in control of who that child is, where they're going to go. As much as you want to be, you're not. You wake up in the morning and, and, and leave your house. You're not in control of what's going to happen. You try to be. You, you think about it, but you, you don't know. And, and, and that's and it's the same thing. You know, with with writing, but you know, it feels like well, it's just me. It's just this paper. It's just this pencil. I'm completely in control here, and it's never the case. And when and the closer it gets to the case that you are in control, the further away you are from actually really doing something creative. And there's there's a part that you also talk about that where it's instinctual, and that might seem at odds in some level with the the unconsciousness or all these people asking you, how do I write a book? How do I write a book? Like, do you think that everyone has that instinct? I think that everyone can write a book, honestly, almost everyone. Maybe there's some people who can't, but 
I think almost everyone can. And I think that if, if they do, the writing of that book will change their lives, which is you know, really wonderful and really exciting. Because it, you learn to have a certain kind of mental and emotional discipline. You know, and I, I think, you know, that, that the, the mind and the emotions together is what the, is the definition of the soul. You know, so it, you, you become a more soulful person if you concentrate and try to, to write that story from the beginning to the end. Now, I'm not trying to say that novel's going to get published. I'm not trying to say anything special about it. But I am saying that it's a, it's a moment of great self-revelation. So that word revelation comes back and back to me when, you know, when I write this, which is one reason I wrote the book. Did you have some kind of revelation or something that converged for you at, I think it was 34, when you wrote your first book? Well, that was just fun. And, and of course, you know, a lot of writing is fun, you know, and, that, and that's the other thing. I, I wrote down on hot, sticky days in southern Louisiana, the fire ants swarmed, and I went, wow, that, that sounds like writing to me. That sounds like the beginning of a book or a story or this or that. And that was very exciting. So, and I think that that, you know, that excitement is kind of a revelation. And, and, and as the more that you do that work, um, the, the deeper you get into yourself. Of course, you know, the, the, um, the most important thing for me about writing for most people, not everybody, but maybe 99.99% of them, is if you write every day for a short period of time, one to three hours, you're going to get deeper and deeper into those parts of yourself that you never understood because writing isn't a lot like the, the early, you know, 20th century practice of psychoanalysis. And, you know, even though psychoanalysis doesn't really work anymore, you know, for, 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 you know, mental diseases, uh, it does work for discovering yourself. Like what was happening when you wrote down the, the sentence about the fire ants? I was a consultant computer programmer at Mobile Oil. I was there on a Saturday. Nobody else was in the building. And I've been writing for a long time on this program and this, this kind of you know arcane language. And I, I just got tired of it. And I said, well, let me, I just started writing, you know, on the, on the, on, in the, you know, on the computer. And I came up with that sentence. And I went, hmm, that looks sound kind of good. I like what you were saying earlier, too, about sort of the playfulness of it, because you wrote in your book, The Elements of Fiction, that you can't have art without whimsy. And I think that some people might think, oh, I'm sitting down to write the great American novel, or I'm sitting down to write a detective book, and I, I have to be so serious about it. Right. I mean, there's something that you love, whatever it is, you know, comic books, uh, 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 history of war. I mean, it could be any subject that you think is important, uh, and and you you can be daunted by that because of the amount of work put into it. And of course, when you read, let's say Tolstoy, it feels perfect in a way. And and so, in your only experience with Tolstoy is Tolstoy perfect. It's not the draft after draft after draft after draft he wrote. It's not the you know the you know the dreams that he had and the passions he felt and. And, and, you know, all, all of the things that he, that he was doing with, in which he felt he was failing all, all the way along the way. You know, you just see, you say, well, somebody, who, if, when you sit down to write a novel, you just write it down. Mark Twain is, I think, one of the worst people for that because it really seems like he just 
like jotted it down with one hand while doing something else with his other hand. But it's not true, of course. It's it's, it's a great deal of work, and, and you know, and when, and when I say work, I mean you know, it, it's, it's concentration and it's rewriting. I mean, just like reading is rereading. You know, somebody comes up to you and said, "Well, I, I, I read War and Peace," and I said, "How many times?" And they went, "What do you mean? How many times? I read it once." I said, "Well, you know, you really haven't read it yet, then, because that book is complex." But the same thing for movies. You watch a movie once, you haven't seen maybe eighty percent of what that movie was doing, um, and that's the thing that people, especially in this society and culture, can't understand because everything is so immediate and there's so much of it. The thing that I try to do the most. And, and both of my books about writing is get you to stop and concentrate for a short period of time only on what you're doing. And once you do that, you begin to say, oh, okay. You know, you watch a movie and it sounds very simple, but like I know right now working in television, you know, in order to get that five minute scene, I may have to work for 12 hours, you know? And so it's a, it's, it's a thing about art and creativity that, you know, most people don't know because of the way we live our lives in this, this society and culture. But they are capable of learning. Talking about learning, one of the things you say is that the act of writing a novel organizes the mind. So people might think or feel like a mess when they come to the page, but you're saying that the process of it helps bring order. Yes, it, it helps bring order. And, and to, you know, listen, we, we live in capitalism. Everybody in this world lives in capitalism, really. And, and the problem with that is capitalism, the, the organization of capitalism is the production line. It always has been. You, you break any project down into, you know, anywhere from 10 to 10,000 elements of action. And then you have a, a different person or persons for each one of those actions. So your job, you know, is to uh, take the widget and, and turn it from left to right and then move it down the line. And to write a novel, for instance, you have to do everything. You know, all of the 10,000 know, places where you stop, you have to be at each one of them. And that's, you know, it, it's, it sounds impossible. It's definitely daunting. And there's no real history for it until you go back to being a child, where a child pays attention to everything. You know, they may not be, <laughs> not be able to do it, but, they, but they, they see it, they feel it. Go, but first you do this, and then, and then when does this happen? And where is the leaf before the seed? Is the leaf inside the seed? Or, you know, it's everything for, for children. And, you know, that child is always in us, and that child wants to write the novel. Yeah, I mean, I would think that some people might find comfort in, in that idea that it helps you organize the mind and that you do have to sort of be responsible for every part of the production. And you say that the answer is in the writing, not your conscious mind. So it's really the work that will save you. But I think there's a lot of fear for people when they go to the empty page. I mean, you talk about it even as, as, a, as a symbol of a fear of death. It's true that people come to it because they're thinking about, you know, the perfect book that they've read, they've read. And it, and it seems like there's no sweat and strain uh, involved. I was talking to a guy the other day uh, who, you know, who's, he was complaining. He says, I want to, I want to, you know, he's had a, a relative who had recently died and relative had said, listen, you have a very interesting life. You should do it. You should do it. And he hadn't, you know, he hadn't done it because, because he didn't know how basically. And, and I told him, I said, yes, it's true. You don't know how right now. That's true. So start writing a story, whatever it is, pick some story in your life of your life. 
and 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 tomorrow morning right uh for, for an hour and then the next morning right for an hour and the next morning right for an hour you know just you know one you know not not and not rewriting you know just keep going maybe read what you wrote yesterday but then keep going keep going and i said after a hundred days you will have answered that question Whatever it means, you'll know what you're interested in. You know what you're writing about. You know how you're writing. You know what's wrong with your writing. You know what's right with it. And then from there, you can, you know, start writing. Because it's a process, not unlike, you know, an economic process, but it's internal rather than external. So one of the things I think that might happen to people, and you talk about sort of transcending story, and you talk uh, about plot in in the in elements of fiction, but I think some people might write a lot of beautiful sentences, but they go kind of laterally. They don't build. Yeah, because well, there's you know there's all kinds of development inside of the writing. You're developing your story. You know the the only the only thing that tells you that you've written a novel is that if people want to turn the page, oh, this happened. I, w- I wonder what happens next, and they turn the page. I wonder what happens next, and they turn the page. I mean, that's that's what that's about. Um, or character development. That person starts off like this and they end up like that. That that becomes, you know, a wonderful thing or uh, a little bit more complex, but but just as much fun. Two people together have this kind of relationship here. But by the end, they have that kind of relationship, you know, and, and, and then you go, wow. And how did that happen? What happened along the way to make that happen? And, you know, but that's another moment about revelation. You know, it's the, you know, it's character development, not plot, but same thing. That's a scary element. Like some people have that talent to do the poetry because you talk about how the the words have to be a sort of poetry. And some people have the page turning element, but getting all of that together is, is a challenge. Did you experience that when you started writing? And do you have any advice, other advice? Well, writing is rewriting. I mean, that's the, the major thing. It, it's good for everybody, I think, to study in some way or another poetry, because poetry actually teaches you how to say the thing in its ideal uh, way in, in relation to the poem that you're writing. Uh, and it teaches you everything about condensation, about music, about rhyme, about metaphor, all that stuff you learn uh, in writing poetry. I can't write a poem to save my life, but I know those things. And one of the things that I did, not I don't do it anymore. You know, I published I think fifty-seven books. Um, I in the first ten, twelve books, every one of them, I read them out loud into a tape recorder. The whole book, I just would stop one day. It doesn't take as long as you think it would to do that. It's funny, and I, I would read the whole thing, and then I would listen. And, and then you listen for the music of the language, the potential of the language. You see things you were trying to do, but you didn't quite do. All of that. But also writing every day helps that because you, you come back to a sentence and you go, hmm, what if I, you know, it's not quite working. What if I change these words around and do this and do that? There's a lot of ways that, that poetry can work its way into your writing. And, and it's not just you telling people what happened. You know, it's how you tell it. It's when you tell it. It's where you tell it. It's the way in which you think about it. I was writing the other day. I forget what I was writing. There's this, this thing about, you know, the, 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 somebody asked this guy who has this mental problem a question. And he said, God, it's just like a fish got loose in my head, like an insect was growing in there. Like there was a bright light in there and I could see, you know, 
and and then you know so you're you're using language that isn't really about thinking at all but because he's talking about thinking you see it in those terms i think too one of the concepts you were getting at in elements of fiction is that the novel is the ideal of a flawed floundering heroic humanity in the sense that mm-hmm. you perfection doesn't really exist that even when you finish your novels you ask questions of it and if you can answer the questions to say what are the problems that you see in the in the manuscript right now and can I fix them and when you get to the point where you might see a problem but you don't know how to fix it you're Mm -hmm. done and and maybe that's you know we we go into things with the idea of perfection you know that you know that that's one of the things you know one of the, the the great strengths and the flaws of the production line you know, at the end of the production line, you know, you have a pinto. The pinto is supposed to work. You put in the key, and you search the engine, and the tires roll in a certain way. There's a certain amount of things, things fall apart at a certain kind of level so that at one point they'll buy a new one. There's all kinds of uh, uh, ingenious notions, you know, embedded inside that, that, that mechanical uh, product. That you've created, and and the, the first pinto looks like the second pinto looks like the third pinto looks like the ten thousandth pinto. But when you're writing a novel, everything is unique, and different, and extraordinarily human, and that's what becomes most interesting. And that's what a novel is. A novel isn't something that works perfectly, just like the one before it. You know, because if it did, you don't have to read the second one. No, so, well, I read I've read a novel already. I know what they're like. Yeah. I I like the idea, too, in that notion is that there is a role for failure for writers. Well, failure is is the heart of art, right? I mean, you you draw, you draw. Remember I said this thing, uh, uh, Picasso, he was doing, he was doing, uh, he was actually showing how he was going to do a drawing, and he was painting on 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 a pane of glass. So you could see what he was doing, but he would do it again and again and again and again. And, um, you know, along the way, it looked perfect, but it, it wasn't where he was going. It looked perfect, but it wasn't what he was trying to do. And so finally, he reaches this moment. And Balzac, uh, the, the sculpture of Balzac by uh, Rodin, he did, I don't know, dozens of sculptures before he got to the final one, which, you know, you know, to a lot of people, including myself, doesn't look nearly as, as fun and interesting as some of the ones along the way. But you could see, oh, yeah, but he's, he's not doing, you know, some kind of external uh, form. He's doing an internal form. And the internal form is definitely the last sculpture of Balzac. You talk about the reader and that the reader is a part of this. Can you explain some of what you were communicating? You write a novel and uh, 10 people read that novel, every one of them will have read a slightly different book. Well, nine of them will have uh, read a slightly different book, and one of them will have read a, read a, a radically different book. Uh, because in a novel, you can't say everything, and that's a real uh, understatement. In a novel, you can't even tell one ten thousandth of everything. So much is going on in the world that you're talking about. Uh, one of the examples I use there, which you know, which which I you know enjoyed, is if you have a character who um, 
let's say you have a few characters and they're and they're they're going to run into each other and it happens they're going to run into each other in Grand Central Station at the rush hour in the afternoon. So there are 10,000 people in the room. There are a million things, literally, I'm not even exaggerating, a million things happening. And these characters who haven't even met each other yet are swimming through all of this, these, these experiences to find each other uh, by mistake, maybe. And you have to make the, you have to say things that the audience will read, which will make them believe that they're actually in Grand Central Station. So you're going to show them 10 or 12 different things happening. You're going to make different sounds and, and, and musics and, and passions uh, happening as you pass them by. And when they read all of that, they'll, they, they, be, they become to believe, hey, I'm in Grand Central Station. And wow, this is amazing. You know, and you, you didn't do that. I mean, you, you gave the hints. But it's up for, for the, the reader to believe it. Do you find that any of the things that you wrote in this book are different because now you're in a writer's room with other people writing for television? Not at all. I'm in a writer's room and I love being, well, I don't love being in a writer's room. I'm, being a writer's room is, has all kinds of challenges to it. No, I, I, as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm pretty sure I, well, I'd already been in a writer's room when I started writing this, but no, I don't think so. Because, you know, in a writer's room, it's, this experience comes from an, an external place because you're, you know, you're sitting around a table with maybe 10 people talking about one event. And that event is defined not only by what you want to say, but by what the, but the television, you know, station uh, needs to say about what somebody said last year and another thing that you had nothing to do with. Uh, you know, there's all of this, these other kinds of questions to ask. I think in the filmmaking, ultimately, uh, this is true. You have to make people believe things are happening that aren't really happening. Uh, but that's, that's the, that's uh, conservatively 300 people working together to make that event happen. Uh, so the writer is a very small part of this. And, and the writer has to learn that they're a small part of it. They can't, it's not like writing a novel where you do everything. It's like some, like you might say, I want it to look like this and this and this and this. And, and the head writer comes in and says, no, 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 you can't say all that. You can just say, it's a room thronging with people and sounds and noises and smells. And then, you know, all the rest of the people working to create that do it. Can you read a passage from an author that speaks to you or influenced you as a writer? You know, it's, it's funny about writing, you know, because a lot of, I mean, it, you know, couched inside that question is, is, a, is an assumption that I don't have, which is something about writing is why people are writing. And, and the truth is people write, people tell stories about the, great, the wide world outside, about their experiences, about somebody else's experiences, about where I'm going, how I got there, what I'm doing. And... You know, I'm not I'm not writing because other people write or have written. I mean, I like I like reading. <laughs> I like reading people's stuff. And, you know, there are people who, you know, people who I don't even like who have written things that I'm not terribly interested in. Matter of fact, I might even be against them. But every once in a while, I come across something that that 
that I love. One of them, uh, one of those people is T.S. Eliot. He he wrote a he's re- he wrote a lot of poems. I'm not interested in most of them, but I love the four quartets. I just think that that the four quartets is is so beautifully written. I I'm not really sure I understand it, but I feel it. And there's like a twelve line. It's not a sonnet, but it's kind of like a sonnet. It's a twelve line. Uh, uh, thing in the middle, you know, in the in the, the the first the first poem. The first poem was called Bert Norton, uh, and and I just adore it. Uh, and I, I just want to say, like when I read this, toward the end it says, "And here upon the sodden floor." But here is not H E R E; it's H E A R. And here with your ear uh, upon the sodden floor. And it goes like this: it goes. Garlic and sapphires in the mud clot the bedded axle tree. The trilling wire in the blood sings below inveterate scars, appeasing long-forgotten wars. The dance along the artery, the circulation of the lymph are figured in the drift of stars. Ascend to summer in the tree. We move above the moving tree in light upon the figured leaf and here upon the sodden floor below. The boarhound and the boar pursue their pattern as before, but reconcile among the stars. I just love that. Can you read something you wrote that maybe changed a lot from the first draft or was tricky or hard to write? I'm going to read something from the book we're talking about, but from Elements of Fiction, um, partly because of something we were talking about before. We're Again, I, I'm going to stay on the same thing because I do believe that uh, appreciating and understanding the, the, the work behind poetry is what, it's what makes us writers. And, and, and it's so crazy, you know, because even if you're writing nonfiction, a lot of people write nonfiction think that, think that the, the prose should be interesting. You know, or doesn't need to be interesting. All I need to tell you is, you know, you attach A to B and then B to L. And, and it's not true because people have to, if, they, if people don't read what you've written, then, <laughs> then, then, it, wasn't, then it wasn't written. And, 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 I, and earlier in the book, I, you know, I, uh, I, I have a James Wright poem, which I think is, you know, you know it's, it's a really good poem. Uh, but at, at the same time, uh, to write about poetry straightforward makes makes people feel well oh it's something other than what I'm doing. So later on toward the end of the book, I write about a a person uh, I I knew in high school who was anything but a poet, but whose life was filled with a kind of physical poetry. And and so so I wrote this, and it was, it was a hard thing to write for me to make to make that bridge between one thing and another. Uh, and it, it goes like this. There was a young man named Nathan who attended my high school. He had moderate learning disabilities and emotional problems, too. Nathan did not always have the words to express himself, and so often he used pantomime to answer questions or to make requests. On the lunch court, some of the kids would ask Nathan questions just just to see what kind of contortions he might use to answer them. These questions were often unkind but he never seemed to mind. One day I heard someone ask, what about the sun, Nathan? He gave a rare frown, then bent his knees and hunched over them with his hands hanging down before him. And then slowly he stood up, his arms rising above his shoulders as he rose. 
when he was fully erect, his fingers splayed and his arms had formed a 90-degree arc above his head. He smiled broadly, grinned actually, his face flushed with joy. It was without a doubt the most beautiful thing I ever saw in high school. The poetry in Nathan was so strong that it survives at least a little, even just in these words. Our novels would be lucky to have his knack. I knew that his understanding of the question and of the son and his feelings about both were the answer to a query that did not understand itself. That took me a long time to write. Did you learn something after it, completing well, it? Well, yeah, I, I I, well, you know, I learned that, that actually, I learned that there was that there was that connection, or I relearned the connection between poetry and prose, you know, and that's a you know it's a difficult thing. But you know, you see it in the first chapter of The Earth by Zola, you see it uh, all over Moby Dick, you know. You, it, there's there's you know extraordinary poetry. You see it in, in the simple stories of Langston Hughes, uh, which is you know it's just extraordinary you know you see it in tony morrison where do you write wherever i am what do you do or where do you go to get away from writing who would want to escape from writing who do you show your work to first to get feedback my friend paul coates uh paul is the you know publisher of black classic press he happens to be tanahasi coates's father uh he's been my publisher for many books for well over 20 years a really good friend, and he and, and he reads he he reads uh, novels like a reader, not like an editor, which I you know which is really wonderful. How have you dealt with rejection? Uh, <laughs> you know, you just get rejected. Well, I you know I wrote this novel, um, John Woman. I think it's the book I worked the long, worked on the longest my entire life. You know, and it's really uh, the fifty seven books I published is probably number fifty three, I think, maybe fifty four, and and. Um, I got rejected by 17 publishers before I found, you know, a publisher that would uh, publish me. I was really, it was astonishing to me. I, I had people responding to me, telling me things like, uh, uh, this book is uh, awkward and, and didactic, but if Mr. Mosley would like to come in and talk about how one makes a novel work, I'm really, honestly, people who have edited fewer books than I've written are trying to tell me that I don't know how a novel works. I was like, wow, that's crazy. What is your favorite word? Word? Yep. <laughs> I don't have a favorite word, you know, because that would have to, I'd have to rise above language. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm out there in the ocean of it. Thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. And um, thanks for the conversation. Well, thank you. You've been listening to First Draft, a dialogue on writing. My guest was Walter Mosley, author of the craft book, Elements of Fiction. If you like today's show, check out my interview with Benjamin Percy, author of Thrill Me, Essays on Fiction, also a book about craft. We talk about his parents being back to the landers and that moment of fear that exists in a book before we read the next sentence. You can find the entire archive of interviews on my website at firstdraftwriters.com. You can follow First Draft Writers on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just look for First Draft A-D-O-W. You can email me at firstdraftwriters at gmail.com anytime. 
Remember, there are plenty of extras for becoming a member and donating to First Draft, including access to pitch-free, ad-free content, as well as cuts from the interviews that didn't make it into the final show, writing tips from my guests, books, and transcripts. The first tier of support is just $6 a month, so please go to www.patreon.com slash firstdraftwriters. Thanks so much for tuning in. The theme music for First Draft was produced and performed by Murph Mahaffey. I'm your host and producer, Mitzi Rapkin. Thank you for listening.